What's up, everybody? It's your man, Plyrock. And before we get started with today's podcast, just wanted to take this opportunity to remind you to please follow us on Facebook at Ply and the Moldog. That's P-L-Y-A-N-D-T-H-E-D-A-W-G, Ply and the Moldog. You can also find our live video game show most nights of the week at Plyrock Gamer on Facebook. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Plyrock Gamer, P-L-Y-R-O-C-K-G-A-M-E-R. We appreciate all the support. We'd love it if you dropped us some feedback, a subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much and enjoy. Meeting at the intersection of entertainment and knowledge, of greatness and destiny, comes the greatest sports video game movie podcast on today. Please welcome in your hosts, Plyrock and Mitch the Moldaw. What's up everybody, it's your man Plyrock and welcome to another episode of Ply and the Moldog. Today we're going to be breaking down all the news and the results from XFL. Is this, what is this, week four? Week four. All right, week four, man. All right, Moldog, take it away. Give us the first game. Tell us what's going on, where everybody stands, because yours truly was at PAX East all weekend. I didn't get to catch any football, so I'm going to sit here and just go for the ride with you, man. Go ahead. All right, well, I'll just give you the quick uh, scoreboard update, and then we'll dive into some of the trends and some of the interesting things that uh, happened. But uh, just the quick scoreboard update. Guardians beat L.A. 17-14. St. Louis Battlehawks 23, Seattle 16. My game, the Houston Roughnecks stay undefeated 27-20 over the Dallas Renegades. And the last game of the weekend, very surprising outcome. Tampa Bay Vipers, 25, D.C. Defenders, nothing, zero, zilch, not a zero. Was it really? Yeah. That, was it really that surprising, though? Well, D.C. DC is, uh, I, have, uh, I have up arrow for the week, neutral arrow for the week, and down arrow for the week. And okay. D.C. and L.A. are in the down arrow category. Now, D.C., who started off the season looking fairly strong. In the last two weeks, they've been outscored 64 to 9 in the last what is, two weeks. In your opinion, what's going on over there in D.C.? Like what? We were so high on Jones a few weeks ago. Is it a quarterback problem? Is it a coaching problem? Is it a, just a breakdown like the other teams figured out Pep's playbook? Like, what's going on over there, man? A little bit. Their receivers never look open. They wow. never look open. And I don't know if maybe the first couple weeks, and we had pointed to this before. Remember I had made mention of this, that I thought a lot of these touchdowns looked like, where's the defender? You know, yes. and... And, yeah, we said the defense was going to get better. And this this could be that coming to fruition because the DC receivers simply did not look open. And there's a couple things going on here that's that's interesting with these scores. This league has not turned into a ridiculous high-flying fantasy football video game scores. We're not seeing 55 to 48 in these games, right? No. These no, we're not. Right. 
These are good competitive games. And, you know, although they don't use, they throw the ball more than they run it, they still try to implement the run as, as much as they can to kind of supplement the throw or, or really help the passing game. But the defenses are playing pretty darn good with the exception of when we do see those breakdowns and there weren't as many of those breakdowns this week. And hence DC gets shut out. Big surprise. Yeah. I didn't, you know, when you read the score to me and I kind of knew just watching my Twitter feed as I was at PAX and everything and coming home and I saw it, I'm not as surprised. I think about, I think Tampa Bay played such a spirited game last week. They did. And that was in my notes. They played a very good game last week, just losing, you know, losing to the Roughnecks by a touchdown and then winning this week. They were my up category. My up arrow is Houston. Again, they're undefeated. St. Louis, their only loss being to Houston. And now Tampa coming off a very good game against Houston and now shutting out D.C. Those are my three up arrows for the week. I know this is not statistical evidence, but I will say following now all the teams on Twitter, which is something I recommend any fan of the XFL does, follow all the teams. Follow the XFL's official, follow XFL on Fox, XFL on ESPN. There's a ton of inside access to these teams that you don't get in other like other leagues. Um, I saw a lot of videos being posted and clips being posted of the of these coaches and celebrities and other people coming out and player reactions and players in practice and things like that that you don't necessarily get from, like I said, other uh, organizations, which is actually really cool. But I saw a level of intensity this week with Tampa Bay's team. And I know these these clips are selectively edited, so don't get me wrong. But the clips I saw from them stood out a little bit more than the other teams and other things I was seeing. Um, The coaches seemed to be almost... The players and the coaches seem to be invigorated from their effort against the Roughnecks. They seem to bring a lot more passion to the table in these clips of these motivational speeches and these guys getting all hyped up in practice and all hyped up doing all sorts of uh, crazy things, uh, getting ready for this game. And that's why I tell you, Moldog, it didn't feel like a surprise to me when you read this off. Because I don't know if it's their marketing department or what. I like going into overdrive. They had sold me on Tampa Bay all of a sudden found something. And they're starting to chew like they're starting to chew through the flesh. And like they're starting to chew on a bone now. And they love it. You know what I mean? Well, it appears to be the case. I noticed uh, it was a couple of weeks ago when Tampa Bay had a home game. And that crowd was as into it as any of the crowds I have seen yet. I thought that crowd was was fantastic. I mean, there was just guys dancing, and the, and the guy who wears the Viper suit, I refer to him all the time, but, you know, he's, he's, you know, really, really pumped up. It's interesting because it's a tale of a couple different coaching staffs here with Tampa Bay, right? The, the head coach is a guy named Mark Tressman. He's got NFL experience. He's more of a... He's kind of more of like a executive. He kind of looks like an accountant who is a uh, head football coach. 
So Mm -hmm. he doesn't come into the locker room and necessarily get you ready to run through a wall for him. Now, on that point, the defense shut out D.C. today. And who's the defensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Vipers? Uh Oh, I know. Jerry Glanville, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's a guy who can get you ready to run through a wall. So I think maybe they are picking up kind of or really being able to kind of catch their vibe on the kind of yin and yang of maybe the different coaches they have on the roster here and knowing how to get these players to respond because that team is going in the right direction. Tampa Bay is going in the right direction. It's another thing to keep in mind as we go through here. This league is only four weeks old and these teams have only been playing together for what, three or four months. Yeah, we talk about it. We talk about it every week that it's still a feeling out period. And that's why, you know, I've been looking for these trends from week to week. And I would believe that it would it would hold up to a degree in the XFL like it holds up in the NFL in terms of the old adage. You're never as good as your great victory last week, and you're never as bad as your terrible terrible defeat last week. Um, so a lot of times we're ready to bury these teams off a bad loss, and there's really no reason to bury them yet. It could have been any any number of things that resulted in that, and they, they fix that up, they tighten that up, they come out the next week, they're ready to go. That could be the situation with Tampa Bay. Maybe they're finally kind of catching on to this coaching staff. The defense looked fantastic. They had a couple of highlight reel uh, turnovers. They had some great catches in the passing game. This team looked super. And again, going all the way back to the beginning, Tampa Bay was initially picked to be the best team in the league. They still that's a that's a heavy that's a heavy lift for them right now because I don't I don't see how anybody catches Houston in terms of you know, really at the top of the heap right now. St. Louis is right there, a half step behind them. But Houston just, they win games. They win games on defense. They win games on offense. They seem to win games. They have no shortage of ways they're going to pull out a game. And I think Houston is the cream of the crop with St. Louis a half step behind. And the rest is a dogfight. I see a lot of parody in this league, dude. Oh, the rest is a dogfight. Houston and St. Louis, you know, one and one A, and then the rest, flip a coin. Yeah, I think any of these eight teams are competitive. I mean, I don't know what really what's going on with DC yet. I don't know. Hopefully they can turn it around. But generally, generally, besides the past two weeks with the defenders, these games have been pretty darn competitive. And these teams all seem to be improving with, like I said, with the exception of the defenders, maybe the defenders, the defenders obviously came hot out of the gate. But the other teams and the other coaching staffs are no slouches. They're figuring it out fast and furious. So hats off to them, man. What was the other uh, – the, the Battle of Texas was the other game you were talking about between the Renegades and the Roughnecks. Clearly the Roughnecks won by a touchdown, but sounds competitive. What, 27-20 you said? Well, it was competitive, and this is a uh, this is a glass half full win for the Roughnecks. Uh, there is some issues with this game. Dallas turned the ball over five times. Three interceptions, two fumbles. One of the fumbles was a strip sack, scoop, and score. So Houston won by seven, but with five turnovers. So I think Houston has some things to to kind of tighten up a little bit. But that's what winning teams do. They win 
even when they're not playing great, they forced the five turnovers, so you got to give them credit for that. But you would you would think that if you won the turnover battle five to one, you would win the game by more than a touchdown. But the fact of the matter is it's a W on the board. Houston's 4-0, the class of the league. Another good game for P.J. Walker, 25 of 41, 239 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, you know, had a few runs too. Nothing has changed there. Wow. And that's that, you know, that's also another good call out of the Muldog, by the way. You know, you got to give yourself credit because you were on them from day one. I was. I was. I liked kind of the setup there, and we shall see. Uh, there, yeah. there was another interesting. Now, here's an interesting thing that happened. We had a we had a little uh, quarterback flipping going on week four here that mm-hmm. we need to pay attention to. Okay. Seattle replaced uh, Silvers with uh, B.J. Daniels, and he came in and really gave them a spark, almost brought him back, almost brought him all the way back. Uh, they had quite a second-half run. So now you officially have a quarterback controversy in Seattle, and that team has been playing okay. They're always competitive. They're drawing well. You know, they're one of those handful of teams that, you know, is in the flip-a-coin category. The bigger one, though, is the New York Guardians, which they – you know, one of the teams that was kind of projected at the top, Matt McGloin was their quarterback, a guy who's played in the NFL. He's been absolutely terrible. You know, the Guardians, I think they won their first game, lost their next two, but then they came back this week. They replaced Matt McGloin with a guy named Luis Perez. All right. Now, Luis Perez played at the uh, college football behemoth. I mean, right up there with Ohio State and Notre Dame and Alabama. It's called the University of Texas A&M at Commerce. Okay, so that was the uh, football powerhouse where he played his college. Okay. Yeah. Town of of 9,100 people somewhere in the middle of Texas. Okay. But, hey, that doesn't mean he can't play. Nope. And he came in. He played well. Uh, His numbers weren't eye-popping. Didn't throw any interceptions, though. You know, 18 to 26, 150 yards, one TD, no picks. You know, okay, he managed the game. He won the game. And the other quarterback situation was Josh Johnson on L.A., who we've talked about a number of times, who I thought is kind of underachieved because I thought he was a little ahead of some of these guys coming in. He finally had a big game. He threw for 330 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. But unfortunately for his team, L.A., uh, they fell to the Guardians, and LA is LA is one of the teams really struggling. Yeah, that's well. The Guardians finally getting back on the map, though. They were they had a rough uh, rough few weeks uh, beforehand, didn't they? So well, they did, and and you know they came they yeah. came out of the gate okay, and I thought they were going to be you know a team to be team to be reckoned with if nothing else, and you know they had some hiccups and. McGloin was yelling at the coach instead. You know, whenever the quarterback's yelling at the coaches, although in this in this league it happens a little more and it's actually okay. But, you know, they came out of the gate hot, and then, you know, D.C. shut them out in week two, and then they lost uh, to St. Louis 29-9 in week three. So they were really trending down. And then they come back in week four and get their record back to 2-2. Two and two. Uh, I'm not sold on them yet. They got the Renegades. They're at the Renegades next week. I would be impressed if they win that game. I would be surprised. I think Dallas is a 
a solid, you know, will be a solid favorite in that game. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if the Guardians are for real. But at least they kept themselves out of big trouble by going one and three and getting themselves to two and two. One and three is tough to dig out of. One of the other things I did notice, uh, obviously anecdotal evidence, but the St. Louis Battlehawks fan base is rapidly becoming pretty legendary. And it, it looks like St. Louis itself is really embracing the Battlehawks. Am I wrong on this? I mean, they are, they're from their Twitter feed. The St. Louis like is hungry for some football. And no, you're not, you're not wrong. They are, that fan base is rabid. There hasn't been football in St. Louis for a while. And not only is that fan base rabid, from what I've watched so far, if I had to, I hate to say it because, you know, I am the Roughnecks guy. If you want to put a label on who I think is the toughest team in the XFL, back alley fight, who do you not want to, you know, who do you want on your side? I would take the St. Louis Battlehawks in, a, in an alley fight in terms well, of uh, toughness. How about the fact that 27,000, 527 fans showed up for the game. Fantastic number. That's incredible. Fantastic number. Like I don't have I don't have results in front of me of the other teams attendance. I don't know if they've released those attendance numbers yet. But for that many people to show up to a week 4 uh you know just starting league I mean, how many other sporting events draw 27,000 people? Well, and here's the other thing. Not only that, but, you know, there's there's also a little trick in that number. And it's not in the XFL number yet, all right? When, when you say 27,000 people at the Battlehawks game, that was 27,000 people. That was a legitimate number. A lot of times on NFL numbers or baseball numbers or – you know, those are kind of the bigger arenas uh, where they skew those numbers a little bit. You don't have to worry about it as much in hockey and basketball because those are true sellouts. But when you're talking baseball and you're talking the NFL, that number is a ticket sold number, and those arenas are half full. So whoever, the L.A. Uh, Chargers or the L.A. Rams can say the attendance was 70,000, you look at that stadium, you know it's half full. You know that's more like 30,000. So they can say they drew 70,000. They sold 70,000 tickets. They didn't have 70,000 people in the stadium. These stadiums, you know, look like if they're playing in a 60,000-seat stadium, it looks half full, which is 30,000. When they're playing in some of these smaller soccer-type stadiums or whatever, maybe built for 40, and it looks three-quarters full, well, yep. that's, that's 30,000. Those numbers are more legitimate. Now, whether well, they ever get to the point where they're going to play around with that number remains to be seen. But these attendance numbers look a lot more legit than attendance numbers you get in either MLB or NFL at this point. Well, to be fair, on the flip side of that coin, the and I'm just finding them now as you're talking, the Vipers uh, did not have a very good attendance this week. But but they're the they're the they were the team struggling to find their first win. So hopefully getting that first win, get some more uh, butts in the seats, but they had 12,249 in attendance. Well, you would expect and- the 0-3 team to have the worst attendance, but but again, at least that was 12,000 
real people that were actually there. Uh, well, they, they actually, the worst attendance this week was the guardians and they had 12,116 people show up. And I think they've, they, they just recorded their second win. So some, it's funny how the biggest markets where they wanted to get into New York and LA, they're struggling to, to, to find seats, but in St. Louis and some of these other places, uh, Houston, et cetera, they're not having St. Louis. I mean, uh, Seattle, the dragons, like 30,000 people was it a week or two ago. Um, there's a real, there's a big parrot. Uh, there's a, there's a big dichotomy there of attendance. It's not, I mean, 30,000 to 12,000. It's pretty crazy. I guess you see that in other sports. though. now that I'm thinking about it, you know, Fenway Yankee stadium, well, the old Yankee stadium, the new one sometimes isn't sold out, but it seems pretty close. But the old, the, you know, Fenway's always pretty much, you know, rocking and sold out for most of their games. Uh, it doesn't matter who they're playing. Uh, New York, the Yankees are usually have a really high attendance for most of their games. But then you go to a Baltimore Oriole game or you go out to a, uh, you know, Montreal Expos game, <laughs> you know, if, if they were still around and you could basically have the whole run of the stadium yourself during a regular season game. So in some of these NFL teams, like you had said, you see some pictures of like the Bengals or the Cleveland Browns or some of these other teams during the regular season. It looks like the janitor has like a whole upper deck and he's by himself going great googly moogly, just yeah. using his mop walking around. So, and I'm not sure, I don't know if you have them in front of you, but the, the television ratings have they been reported uh, yet? Have you seen anything there? I see week threes. Uh, yeah, I have um, not. I have not even seen week threes. The last ones I had were were week two in terms of the TV ratings. I don't have week threes in front of me. You have week okay. threes in front of you. Yeah, I have week three in front of me. It looks like it dropped down a little bit from week two. Okay, it's averaging close to uh, two million a game. Okay, which. Still doesn't seem that shaky to me. Oliver Luck seems to uh, seems to not be terribly concerned. He's saying he's got a good. They, he's he's thinking they have a good, solid base to build upon. So, through the first three weeks of the XFL, they are attracting an average of nineteen thousand people per game. That's about fourteen hundred, thirteen, fourteen hundred more than the AAF which was that defunct league from last year. They went out of business halfway through their season, though. So, uh, yeah, they did because they had really bad management and financing. I don't I don't believe the XFL does have bad management or financing issues. No, correct. So it seems like Oliver is saying that he's he does. I guess he really doesn't want to obviously doesn't want to uh, he doesn't want to shoot the powder keg yet, but he's. He thinks that there's not a big enough sample size, and he thinks that he's got numbers that they can draw upon. So um, overall, attendance has increased by 7 or 8%. TV ratings starting to go down a little bit. Um, but that's also because a lot of those games moved over from you know being live on ABC to going over to ESPN or going over to some cable. You know what I'm saying? So 
they're not just on broadcast TV at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. They have switched some of those games over to Fox Sports One or or ESPN and those type of channels, which are are not going to draw generally the same type of ratings that they would on a broadcast station. Am I correct? No, and that's that's fair. What what I'm concerned about is, and we will will see again. It'll this will really kind of be a very telling statistic in terms of viewership, in terms of attendance, and in terms of how these fan bases overlap with other fan bases. Because the beauty of the first few weeks of the XFL is it opens in a rather quiet time on the sports calendar, all right? As we move forward, this being week four, And then, you know, as we move forward into subsequent weeks, you're going to be coming into March Madness. You're going to be coming into NBA, a piece of the NBA schedule that begins to get more important as they move towards their playoffs. You're coming into a period on the NHL schedule as they move more towards their playoffs. So there's going to be a little more competition. So teams like L.A. and the Guardians, with so much additional competition in that marketplace – I mean, in New York alone, you have you have five you have five professional sports teams in hockey between hockey and basketball. So just the NHL and the NBA, you got five other teams. Now you have the Mets and the Yankees starting spring training. You got all the college stuff going on. It's a tough market. So L.A. and New York, I think, are going to that's going to be the toughest. But that also may be the most enlightening in terms of how much do these fan bases cross over. Is the XFL fan, is he sitting, he or she sitting in their living room saying, hey, am I going to go to the XFL game this week or am I going to go you know, spend that entertainment dollar on the Islanders or the Rangers or the New Jersey Devils? Uh, I don't think they happen to overlap a ton because, again, you're talking a $20 ticket versus a $90 ticket or a $100 ticket at Madison Square Garden. So, but those are the things that these, these attendance and viewership numbers do not happen in a vacuum. As you pointed out, depending what station you're on, depending, you know, switching over from FS1 to ABC or ABC to FS1, where you are on the actual sports calendar, all these things go into the mix. So sometimes it becomes very, very difficult to kind of bifurcate those situations and decide what's the real reason this is up, down, or the same. I would I would honestly say this too. One of the other factors you didn't mention about the ratings on the XFL games is Ply Rock live or not when these games are going on. If Ply's doing a show live on Facebook Gaming and debuting, you know, Doom Eternal or some other, that's going to affect XFL ratings, right? Well, I so, thought it was understood. I didn't think I, I even <laughs> had to bring that up. I figured that kind of, you know. Oh, you know, I mean, come on, man. So, and I don't like to compete with Vince. I love him, but you know, it is what it is. We all got to make a living. So those factors that you mentioned are extremely important. Uh, is there anything else about uh, week four that you want to cover before I go on to telling them the big news of our XFL event coming up? The only thing I would like to really hit on on week four is I think uh, your parody argument is is really kind of come to fruition in terms of you know, literally six, you know, you got, you got two at the top, you got 
six in, in the middle, and you got two at the bottom, and the two at the bottom really aren't so far down. So it, it's it's good. It's it's still competitive. You know, with the 10-game season, you shouldn't necessarily have anybody way, way out of it. And I know that's what they're hoping because even in the NFL, look at what happens to attendance and viewership on these teams. Sorry, when the Bengals are 0-13, nobody's going. I, I don't care, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Has anyone been to a Cleveland Browns game in the past four years? What's that? Has anyone actually been to a Cleveland Brown game in the past like four years? Well, they were fighting for like four games the end of last year. All right. Cool. I didn't even know they were. I thought they moved to Baltimore. So they did. And then they came back to Cleveland with uh, iteration Cleveland Browns 2.0. Yeah, that's not the same ownership. There wasn't Art Modell, the guy who moved them out of Cleveland. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Art Modell, uh, Cleveland enemy uh, 101. Isn't and, that funny uh, how we always remember the uh, the evil owners like Pete Carlissimo of the uh, Hartford Whalers when he infamously moved them out of Hartford down to North Carolina? I love, North Carolina? Way, I love the way as the non-sports guy. This, Ply, this is one of the things you – and people may think – you're like, this is scripted. This is not scripted. You no. come out with mixing metaphors and names sometimes in the sports world that are just great. And I don't comment on everyone, but that was fantastic. <laughs> Peter well, Peter Carmanos is who you were talking about. Oh, Carmanos. That's <laughs> right. Oh, my bad. Carlesimo. What did I say? Who's Carlesimo? PJ Carlesimo was a basketball coach in college <laughs> in the NBA for a long time. So you took Peter Carmanos and PJ Carlissimo, you jammed them together, you got Pete Carlissimo. I knew what you were saying. I knew what you were talking about. But yes, Peter Carmanos took the Hartford Whalers down to Raleigh, North Carolina. They're called the Carolina Hurricanes. Nobody cares down there. Everybody cared up here. Yeah, but didn't they win the Stanley Cup down there right after they left yeah, us? He, yeah, he kind of did. And yeah, okay. uh, people up here are still pissed. And uh, that'll that'll never go away. And they still they still sell as many Hartford Whaler T-shirts in Bradley Airport as they do Yukon and Red Sox stuff in there. It's amazing. It's like that's, a cult, it's a cult following. That's so funny. That's funny. I didn't even realize his name wasn't PJ Clarissimo. So I apologize <laughs> to PJ Clarissimo. I'm not even saying it right anymore. That I uh, mixed you up with Pete Carusimo. I knew exactly what you meant. I knew we're obviously finding each other here. I knew exactly what you meant. That's funny. But, uh, yeah, I was <laughs> – you got me for a loop on that one. So, anyway, well, that's why you're the sports guy. And you know what? When you try – when as we get further along in this and you try to talk uh, video games with me, I'm sure you're going to get a few, you know, names and everything, you know, <laughs> crisscrossed as well. So – trying to be shooting one guy in one game and and using a character out of another game. I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So the big news, guys, is that yours truly, Ply, and the Muldog will be hosting a live event Sunday, April 26th, starting around 2.30 p.m. because the game starts at 3 o'clock. And we are going to watch the XFL Championship live with all of you. We're going to be commenting and discussing with you, the community, every play, every commercial, every next beer we go get, whatever's happening, we're going to be discussing it with you, and we're going to be reviewing in live time the first, which is actually the second, but the first of the new iteration 
of the XFL championship between the Houston Roughnecks and whoever shows up on the other side. So hope you guys are there. The event is off on the Facebook page, Ply and the Moldog. It's also up on the uh, normal Ply Rock Gamer page, the video game side. If you guys want to respond to that, hit going on it. So it'll, it'll remind you as we get closer to the event, we would love to have you in the chat, giving us real time feedback on the play down on the field, the halftime show, everything else going on with it. We're really excited to watch the XFL championship with our awesome and huge community that keeps getting bigger and bigger every day. You guys are so unbelievable. Is there anything in closing Moldog? before I forget more names because I'm so overtired. Well, April 26th, correct? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. So how am I going to, between now and then, get myself good looking enough to, uh, you know, stand stand with ply? That's going to be a difficult situation. Why don't you just do what they made me do on the show and grow a beard? You can do that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that would help. Oh, man, I better be careful because they'll make you grow a beard. So I shaved, by the way. So I finally got that sucker off. It felt so good to shave after to let everybody in who doesn't know what I'm talking about. The pioneers on the video game show, I let them vote on whether or not Ply Rock would grow a beard or shave it off. It was either team save it or team shave it. And they overwhelmingly made me grow a beard for the month of February. Oh, it was atrocious. And I'm so glad here on February 29th, I was able to March 1st now able to shave it off and just keep my little Jason Veritek soul patch here at the bottom. Did I say that name right? Yes, you got that. You nailed that one. Nice job. Well, Jason Veritek is the reason why I grew the soul patch in the first place. I was at a Fenway game and I saw his picture come up on the screen like 10 years, 15 years ago. And I went, oh, man, I haven't hit puberty enough here at 20 years old to actually grow a beard. But I think I could pull off that soul patch. Nice. And then I haven't gotten rid of it in 15 years and it ends up on the logo. So that's all credit to Jason Veritek. Anyway, Moldog, it's been a pleasure talking XFL week four with you, man. We're going to be back in a few days with a brand new episode. We're going to be talking movies, sports, video games, pop culture, and everything else that comes in our way. Uh, it's been a great time. It's been a great couple episodes that we've recorded here uh, after PAX East and XFL week four. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go get some rest now. I don't know about you, but I'm wiped. All right, Ply, take care of yourself, my friend. All right, everybody, we'll see you. And don't forget to hit that like, share, subscribe buttons on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Please leave us a review. It really helps out the show. We're going to do our best to bring you the best content three or four times a week that we can. We love you all. Leave some feedback. Come talk to us on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up everywhere. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And we're out. Peace. Peace.